Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, it's Friday. Rocky Top. Let's rock. I am joined by a man who got to watch the Tennessee Volunteers rack up exactly zero college world series victories which is okay because the tennessee volunteers had a great baseball season and tony vitello is not taking the lsu job and he's going to be there and it's all fine ryan shumper good afternoon sir how are you i'm doing well uh finally made it home after a, a nice long day of travel but excited to get on here and talk about a, a disappointing weekend for the balls and, and a couple other things also here of the ut daily beacon ethan stone ethan good afternoon how are you I'm doing well. I'm also excited to talk about a disappointing weekend for the Vols. (laughs) It's just a, it's a tradition unlike any other, a disappointing weekend for (laughs) the Tennessee Volunteers. Like, can you imagine SportsSource being like a positive, happy show all weekend? Could you imagine them going in there for two hours and just being like, man, things are amazing all across the board for the Tennessee Volunteers. What a weekend. Can you imagine such a situation? Ryan's not going to answer this, Ethan, because Ryan is absolutely going to be on this show within two years. So he has to be careful when he answers this. But um, it's my favorite show. It's one of my, like, uh, my partner and I, she she cannot believe that I watch it. It's my favorite, my favorite thing because it is preposterous and it is, it's an absolute delight. I, I can't miss it on Sunday mornings. Oh, Did you see that, Ethan? Ryan's not saying anything. I... It's, it's incredible. Yeah, well, Ryan, you you yeah, set Ryan me you set Ryan. me up not you set me up not to say anything. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a classic though. You're not. It you're is not a classic. Just so many ads, a lot of the same ads. I've learned so much about the local <laughs> Knoxville community. It's incredible. I I very much enjoy that show. Yeah. So go shout out to Sports Source. Um, but in real news, what what happened? Because there were some there were some disagreements among Vol Media about this. Uh, what happened? to Tennessee um, over the weekend with Virginia. And then um, it feels like forever good now. Was that Tuesday we played and lost? Uh, Tuesday, yeah. yeah. A lot of fans were upset and like, oh, this is typical Vols. Like my family, the Vols fans like were over the top and they're usually weirdly negative about stuff. And just like the sky is falling, typical Vols, that kind of stuff. And people push back. I think your colleague at VolQuest, uh, Ben McKee, pushed back on this. And I think other people are pushing back on Charlie Burris, who's a good follow and all that kind of stuff. And lifelong UT guy, Austin Valls, I think also was uh, kind of upset about all of this, but um, it was interesting to see the different types of Tennessee volunteer fans and media members about what happened. Where did you, where did you sit, Ryan? Well, I, you know, I guess my, with Charlie Burris's tweet where, where I disagreed was you, you can be this Tennessee fans. I'm not going to tell you to not be disappointed about the week because, you have every right to be. But to act like this is another Tennessee choke or, oh, Tennessee does it again. I mean, when's Tennessee football and basketball been in this position the last <laughs> decade? If you want to call it choking when it matters most, call it, you know, then it's going to happen at any point you play bad and lose in the postseason. So, sure, they didn't play great and they could have played, they should have played better. It was the Virginia game was probably one of the worst games of the season. I'm not sure I would say that about the Texas game. I think there's probably two or three plays in that game that go they go the other way that that's a really close game and Tennessee has a great chance to win but when you make it to Omaha it, it, it's a crapshoot I mean look at look at what happened what's happened so far this week you have two teams there that got were were not national seeds Virginia choked against Mississippi State not to be in the 
winner's bracket, and then obviously they got eliminated by Texas last night. And then you have North Carolina State, who's in the winner's bracket. They won their first two games. And then you have a Vanderbilt team, who was probably, I, I know was the Vegas favorite. I don't know if they were considered overwhelming favorite going into the week. Took a Stanford choke, essentially, not to get eliminated. So baseball is not football. It, it doesn't go by chalk all the time. Certainly there are things Tennessee should have done better this week. I think you look, the first game, they were just horrific situational hitting. Second game, Connor Pavoloni had a very uncharacteristically bad game behind the plate, and you had a few guys that, in uh, Blade Tidwell and Sean Hunley, that have been good for you all year that just weren't great. And, again, even if you have, look, Drew Gilbert grounds into the 5-2-3 double play. He hits that ball really hard opposite field for the first time in maybe six weeks. He hits that ball two feet in either direction. It's a completely different game. You have Blade Tidwell grooving a 3-2 fastball with two outs down the middle. Obviously, that's there's no bad luck in that. That was a bad pitch by Blade Tidwell, but that's a play, uh, game-changing play. And then the other one, you have the, the play at the plate there in the fourth inning that goes against Tennessee, which I think was pretty obviously a bad call. You go, get that call reversed, even though you give up a big two-out hit and scores a run. It just scores one run instead of two. Next, that scored a run as well. So you get out of that inning down one. I think that game looks different. So I'm not trying to go over top making excuses for Tennessee. Obviously, they could have played better. I just think the situation is far, far different than what a lot of people are comparing it to with football and basketball. Yeah, I I agree. I don't think it was a failure. I think this was awesome. You're it, like you said. I think the best the best way to describe it is it's a crapshoot, and just uh, being in that final group is uh, an accomplishment in and of itself. And just getting in there in one year, hopefully with Vitello and the staff, that uh, they will make it through. But um, I don't know. I think it's a good uh, good building block. What about you, Ethan? Yeah, I I'd agree with that. You know. Tennessee basketball losing to Oregon State in the first round, that's kind of, you know, that's a disappointment. Yeah. Um, Tennessee baseball making it to Omaha, I do not think is a disappointment. You know, you don't win a game in Omaha, sure, but everyone's tough there. You know, I mean, Virginia played a good game. Texas obviously played a good game as well. I think we played, um, I think UT played better against Texas, but, you know, it's just kind of a luck of the draw sort of thing. You know, are you going to get a team that's going to be hot on one night or are you going to you know get a team like Tennessee against Virginia yeah I, I also just think I think part of it too is the fact that the bats were quiet I wonder if the bats were not quiet and they were more of a slugfest back and forth in both of those games or at least one of them fans would have looked at it differently but it was kind of just like a quiet sad way of going out where the shutout against Virginia mm-hmm. and just it, it they felt kind of helpless once Texas went on that streak in the three-run homer and never looked back and stuff like that. It was just kind of a weird, helpless feeling from this offense where you were just so conditioned to expect, like, here comes a homer and the like, the cardiac Tennessee stuff I think came back to bite them a little bit mm-hmm. where people are just like, uh, 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 and then it just never happened. And you're like, well, that that's just how things go in baseball sometimes. It's, it's okay. I think ultimately this is good and Vitello is building something positive here. Um, Ethan, who who to watch out for on the 2021-2022 Vols that you think uh, will make a bigger impact and be uh, someone that the Vols fans are not uh, necessarily prepared for next year? Well, it, it's always hard with, with college baseball. You know, the the first thing I think of is Brady House. It's just, is he going to go, is he going to sign a pro con- contract or is, you know, is he going to stay on? I would think... 
I would think he's going to sign a contract just because, you know, he's projected top three in the, in the MLB draft. Um, me personally, I think he'll he'll be signing a pro contract and probably won't even be on Tennessee's radar next year. So I'm not sure if he'll be a guy to, you know, make a, uh, make a splash. But if he can stay, obviously he's going to be a dude that can, you know, get the program going in the right direction again, obviously. And, you know, is it, is it cheating to say Tony Vitello? Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <or are> we, <laughs> is it, is it cheating to say I'm, I'm excited to see what Vitello is going to do next to, you know, I mean, the number one question is, will he be here? And, you know, it's, I guess, trending towards yes, but you just never know. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'm with what Ethan said. I mean, I, I think he's right. Brady House, I would be pretty surprised if he makes it to Tennessee's campus. That just doesn't seem like something that's going to happen. But guys on the current roster, I think Kyle Booker is a player that, even if Evan Russell decides to come back and, and exercise his extra year of eligibility to COVID, I think Kyle Booker is your starting left fielder next year. He really, really talented freshman, flashed a couple times this year, had two hits off of Kevin Copps this year in two, maybe three at bat. So that kind of shows the talent you're talking about. And on the pitching side, the guys that are still there, I think Mark McLaughlin, he's a guy that kind of had a role earlier in the season, really good stuff, mid-90s fastball. Doesn't His command was kind of what uh, he struggled with. But just as a sophomore, I think you'll see some steps for him. And then, when you talk about new faces, another guy that you don't know is going to make the campus or not, but Chase Burns is a, a pitcher from Beach High School in Gallatin. He's a guy that I think, if he makes it to campus, is going to make a big impact. Maybe not a Blake Tidwell, year one impact weekend starter, but I think he's he's going to have a major major fixture in Tennessee's lineup. And then another guy, Ryan Spikes, is also a shortstop like Brady House. He's a junior college guy. I believe he is from Georgia, maybe around where uh, – you're from Chase originally. I'm not positive of that, mm. but he's a guy that I think will, will impact, make a big impact if he does make it to campus. And then, like, you kind of look at the transfer out. They've already added Seth Halverson from Missouri, um, a pitcher who was Missouri's ace this year. His ERA wasn't very good, just 6.00, but really, really good stuff. I talked to someone around the Tennessee program that said outside of Kumar Rocker, he was as talented as anyone they faced this year. So you get him with a guy with Frank Anderson that excels at getting pitchers good command and pounding into their head that you're going to throw strikes. I think that's a match made in heaven. So I think you'll see Tennessee be more active too on the transfer portal, try to bring in some more guys, Colton Kessler, the starting uh, catcher at Kentucky. He's the one that, that all you guys remember that every single day for a month, the Tennessee account, Tennessee fans tweeting about the tweet, Evan Russ vote for Evan Russell in the senior of the year award. Colton Kessler is the one who ended up beating him out. In that award, he's a guy who hit 340 last year. He entered a transfer portal. His dad knows Vitello from growing up in St. Louis. So, to me, that almost makes too much sense when you look at Tennessee's needs at catcher. So, those are uh, two guys in the transfer portal that I think, again, Halverson has committed, whereas Kessler has not. But I think that makes a lot of sense that Kessler would come to Tennessee. So, there's going to be a lot of new faces. I don't think they're going to have quite the talent that they had this year. They're going to be quite as good. But Tony Vitello is a masterful recruiter, and I think you're going to continue to see that uh, not only on a recruiting trail, but now with the transfer portal, and I think you're going to see him get this team retooled to, that they may not be as good as they were this year, but it's not going to be some, some massive drop. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, Caden Salter kicked off the Ooh. team this week. Uh, Ryan, were you surprised by Josh Heupel's swift action here? 
No, I mean, I thought you maybe, you know, the best case for Salter would have been, all right, you're going to get a year suspension. You're not playing this year at all. But, I mean, you're a new coach. You got, I mean, in Heupel, I think some of his past, it's, we've seen this a little bit less in Tennessee probably because of depth that he has. He, he doesn't have the, the luxury to do it. But he was very harsh, you know, very strict on this type of stuff at Central Florida. Not a whole lot of wiggle room. And when you have a guy get more drug arrests than he does practices in the six or four months that he's been in your campus. I mean, I don't see what you're supposed to do. I mean, it's just, you're just careless. You're on probation from the school and you're driving with your tail light out and your lights out on the strip at 3 a.m. I mean, what? that's just bad leadership. That's just, you're not giving your coach a whole lot of choices there. So I wasn't surprised. It certainly is not a, not a good situation for, for Tennessee or Heifel. I mean, that's a tough break. He was one of the, what, two or three really highly rated recruits that he was able to hold on to after uh, Pruitt was fired. So it's a tough break, but I certainly wasn't surprised by by him getting kicked off the team. Do you think Taven Jackson's commitment and him just being an active recruiter um, for some also offensive linemen that he's teammates with and other guys, do you think his commitment uh, and just where they are with certain guys uh, on the recruiting trail influence decision at all uh ethan um i think it's you know i i I think it goes more to what ryan says that just you know you can't be doing this this sort of stuff um obviously the qb room is deep hypel can obviously uh you know afford to you know do what has to be done when it comes down to it but I'll tell you what, this is just so Tennessee, isn't it? I mean, we weren't talking not three weeks ago, you know, what effect is Salter going to have on the team? Um, you know, probably not going to be starting, obviously, you know, as just a freshman. And uh, he already had had one charge against him at that point when we were talking earlier. But, you know, it this doesn't surprise me even a little bit. Like when I saw it, I was like, okay, Tennessee already has problems right now. The last thing they need is a dude like this that, like Ryan said, you know, has more charges on him than snaps at UT. So it's just, none of this surprises me, but I'm not 100% sure that, you know, bringing in Jackson or, you know, Jackson's, uh, I guess, uh, can't think of the word here, but like uh, how how Jackson is with the team right now, I don't think that has anything to do with it, just me personally. Yeah, I just, uh, I don't know. It sucks, and it just is... Uh... It's going to be a, a blow. Um, he wasn't going to play this year, but um, those are the kind of guys you need to head on um, going forward, and that's just a, it's going to be a blow. Um, Addison Nicholas visited Knoxville. Um, he He's a big offensive line target. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about the chances of the Vols get landing Addison? Yeah, it's an interesting one because you look at Tennessee's recruiting right now, and obviously – it does seem like they're picking up a little bit more traction with guys, but they're, they're fighting an uphill battle. And Nichols is a guy that, while he's from Georgia, has a lot of family ties to the Knoxville area and is no stranger to you know going to Tennessee games and such. So I think that makes it interesting, gives you a little bit more of a fighting chance. And I think Tennessee's right in the thick of it. You know, what are they able to win it out in the end? I'm not sure. They're, they're battling against some, some really good teams. But I think the fact that you get them on an official visit here in late June. I mean, it probably won't be his last official visit. He came last weekend. I'm sure he's, I imagine he's probably somewhere this weekend. But it, it sounds like he wants to make a decision before his 
senior season happens. So I think that gives Tennessee, you're getting one of the last visits, you have the ties, I think that gives them a, gets them in the thick of it. Now it's all about, this is one of those early battles you look at for Josh Heupel. How can he close on recruits? And it, it's, an, it's probably a little unfair to judge him strictly like that because of all the circumstances around it. But I, I think Tennessee's right in the thick of it, and it's going to be an important three, four weeks of non-visit time, you know, dead period time that I don't think it's I'm not positive exactly how the dead period is going to work this year. I don't think it's going to be no contact just because they were just able to open it all up. But uh, important to see how Heifel and Golish and LRB, all those guys can uh, close on a big recruit. I think Mac too. I think Mac's doing doing some work right now. So him and Rodney Garner doing some work, I think, across the trail. Um, Aaron, in happier news, Aaron Beasley cleared, which I hope means he didn't do it because that's a, a pretty – like that was the most messed up story um, on Tennessee's campus in a long time. So I hope that's what this Which all does means. Something. Does cleared mean that he didn't do it? Because th- it was pretty, pretty horrific what the actual charge was. So what what do we know, Ethan? Do do we just are we supposed to assume it did not happen? Uh, from what I read, yes, I would I would assume that it just did not happen. It, okay. it sounded like they just kind of I don't know. Just from what I read, it sounded like he just you know he just he, he didn't do it. Um, obviously, this is great news for a few reasons. I think, first off, I'm sure you can all agree with me here. It's a good thing that Aaron Beasley is not an animal abuser. Um, you know, that's, <laughs> I think. I think first and foremost, you know, that's a good thing. Secondly, you know, on a slightly more serious note, Beasley's return will no doubt, you know, keep the disaster that is uh, the Tennessee linebacker room slightly above water. At least, it's always good to, you know, add a veteran presence to your defense, especially one. That is a uh, kind of jumping ship at the moment with uh, the linebacker room. Yeah, uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Ethan. I, I haven't done as much reading on it, but you would hope the fact that they're letting him back on the team and the charges were whatever it was dropped or, or lessened that it didn't happen. And look, you know, I mentioned the thing Heifel being strict on that type of stuff at Central Florida. He hasn't been as strict at Tennessee, but you had the four guys get arrested in that drug incident, in Stokely. Two of them got kicked off the team, and then obviously Salter's gone now with his second offense. So just from le- reading the tea leaves and the way Heifel's even handled it at Tennessee, you would think if that's true, that Beasley wouldn't be back. And, and while Beasley is a player who plays at the, probably the greatest position of need on Tennessee's roster, he's not some third-team, second-team All-SEC guy or someone that's knocking on the door. He's a guy that's played about 12 snaps at linebacker in his career. So you wouldn't think uh, – Heupel would be using all his goodwill or all his favorability. We're going to give him the benefit of the doubt on a guy like Beasley. So you would hope that that means that he didn't do it, or at least what was out there was greatly, greatly exaggerated. Yeah, um, it's one step closer to Ryan and I not suiting up for a linebacker this fall, for <laughs> which is a positive step. A positive Thank goodness step. for that. I know, I know. Um, I think between us, we weigh a collective like – for, like we weigh collectively like what uh terry weighs the kansas transfer i'm pretty sure i think that's if we do the math yeah, if my math is correct we might be we might be south of it honestly but we're <laughs> we're, we're in that realm. <laughs> um javante payton there was a really good piece on 247 sports about his newcomer ethan mentioned him i believe on last week's show about his opportunity now with malachi weidman gone and just the 
the the just the nature of the wide receiver room right now uh, in Knoxville. What do you what do you make of his fit in this scheme in the Baylor Raid scheme, and why should Tennessee fans be excited about him heading into this fall, Ryan? Well, I think he's a he's a great fit in the scheme. I mean, you look at what Josh Heifel wants to do: it's throw the ball vertically down the field, and he's got the speed. He's he's shown he can do that. I mean, you look back at his first game at Mississippi State last year against LSU when he had over a hundred yards and on four or five catches. I mean, it was a lot of stuff down the field. So he fits into that mold, and you know, this is a little bit broader, but I think if there's a positive, it's that a lot of Tennessee's best receivers do fit that mold. Jalen Hyatt, Bayless Jones Jr., those are speed guys. They're not possession guys. They're not Brandon Johnson type guys. So I think that's a positive just overall for Tennessee. And I think, you know, another positive Peyton is he's a guy Tennessee's Josh Heifel and his staff went out and got. You know, it wasn't someone they inherited. It's one someone they targeted, they wanted, they felt like could help him. Now, just how much does he help him? I think that's a big question. You look, he's been at two different SEC schools. He hasn't done a ton at either. I mean, Ole Miss, granted, but he was a freshman and he transferred pretty quickly. So, you know, that isn't always an indictment on him that he, he wasn't playing a ton. But last year at Mississippi State, after starting hot, he didn't do a whole lot. The second half of the season – I know that kind of fits Mississippi State season pretty perfectly to a T, but he's a guy that still, even though he's a veteran, he hasn't proven a ton about what he can do at the SEC level. So I think there's some question marks there, but it's another fresh start for him in an offense that I do think fits him really well. And in an offense or in a receiving room that after those top two guys of Hyatt and Jones, I think there's a lot of open ground and a lot of chances for a lot of chances for him to earn playing time and. He's a guy that can play in the slot. I know Jones can too, but there's not a, a true slot receiver in this Tennessee offense as of now. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities for him to factor. I agree. I agree. Um, last thing we'll wrap up here. Is there any uh, intrigue into uh, Tennessee basketball right now? Have we missed anything? Uh, any final words for the lady softball coach retiring this week? Uh, any other Knoxville notes that you guys wanted to mention as we wrap up here today? Well, you know, I think Rob Lewis. Uh, you got it, Ethan. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ryan. All right. All right. Okay. I'll go ahead. Um, <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I think it's important to talk about Ralph Weekly. You know what he's done for uh, for the Lady Vols softball program. You know, been there twenty years now with uh, um, being the co coach with uh, Karen Weekly, and to put it simply, he's he's just a winner. You know, um, I wrote a story about it for the Beacon just a couple days ago, and. He's second all-time um, for Tennessee coaches in winning, uh, just behind Pat Summit, who, you know, at any other school, you know, he'd probably be first. And, you know, he didn't have a great year this past year with the, the Lady Vols, but, you know, his track record, to say he to say he was, his career was a success is an understatement. And, you know, it's just, it's the news that's kind of going under the radar, you know, behind all the baseball stuff, behind, you know, the uh, basketball schedule getting released, all that sort of stuff. It's kind of going under the radar, you know, just how good he was at what he did. And I think it's, I think it's nice to give him a shout out, give a kind of the smaller sports at UT a shout out. Absolutely. I agree. And, and you look at, it's been a little bit different now the past three, four years because both the softball program is, I don't want to say they, I don't know. They haven't been quite as good as they've been before. They've, they've fallen off a little bit 
and the rest of Tennessee sports besides football have kind of regrouped and been good. But for a long time, I mean, this past decade, the Tennessee softball program was just the staple of consistency and the best program at, at Tennessee. So I think that, that speaks a lot to both Ralph and Karen and obviously a great career. And I was going to go on the basketball front. Obviously the schedule comes out and the non-conference schedule comes out and you have only four lesser level opponents that they're playing in UT Martin, ETSU, Tennessee Tech, and Presbyterian. And all those are in November. So by December, Tennessee is going to be playing a, a gauntlet of a non-conference schedule. They open December, December 4th at Colorado. Then they get Texas Tech in New York. And then they play Memphis and Arizona to uh, finish out the non-conference schedule. And then obviously Texas in the Big 12 Challenge. That should be a lot of fun with Tennessee uh, going back to Austin for Rick Barton's first time. And then a little bit other basketball news. Rob Lewis at VolQuest.com broke it last night that John Fulkerson has uh, broken his wrist. So that's something to watch. He, uh, You would think Pounding his fist in anger sick. watching the Hoot game <laughs> on Father's Day. <laughs> yeah, well. Sources say. Maybe, hopefully hopefully it wasn't that, that sort of Sammy Sosa type injury. Hopefully he had it on I mean, the, he was pretty adamant. He crashed the WBIR uh, interview um, with uh, That's Olsen. right. He did. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we know That's he's true. an adamant proponent. And I have seen him at multiple Tennessee Vols baseball game. So I can't rule it out. I can't rule it out. Thanks a lot, Vitello. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, that's going to happen. This is a good time. If it's a guy that's going to happen to, this is probably the guy you want it to happen to. I mean, I know he had a disappointing year last year, but for the most part, he kind of is who he is. Obviously, there's always room for improvement. But I think you'd, when as many newcomers there are on this team, I think you'd rather it be him than them. And you look at it. When it happens, you would think he should be back in time for the season. And really, you would think if it's a good recovery, you would think he'd be on time to be ready in late October to get get going and practice going into the year. And you look at where it is, the wrist, I think that's another place you have to be happy with where it's at. He can do some off-handed ball work and plenty of conditioning. So when his time comes, if his delay is longer, he shouldn't be out of basketball shape by any means, and he should be able to – Maybe not hit the ground running, but the ease in time should be uh, not quite as long. Also, Ryan, shout out which to my guy. Is Keon, this is the, oh, which wrist? I don't know. Did it? They yeah, say, which wrist is it? This, this is the it's the first I'm hearing. Left of it, wrist so. is what I left wrist is what I'd seen, Ooh. but I, I think that was from maybe more speculative. I don't think Rob said that. Maybe someone else on the board who had heard something said that. Interesting. Um, also, shout out to Ponzi. And Keon Johnson for showing out at the combine. Shout out Ooh. to Keon for breaking a 20-year combine record with his vertical. Keon Johnson, I saw that and I got mad. Like I don't think your reaction was supposed to be mad, but I was like, oh, great! Like remind me of just the the Keon Johnson, the Keon, the Keon Johnson, Jerry, uh, Springer, and Vescovi and Ponzi, and just the the talent they had, and just how frustrating that offense was last year, and that. Barnes could not figure out how to figure out how to space those guys all around the perimeter and everything else. And uh, Keon Johnson, I just feel like someone who's just going to be a really good NBA player that we just uh, did not do enough with. Um, I'll be a Keon well, rider. That, that that shows why a guy with a a mediocre high school jump shot is going to go in, in the top ten of the NBA draft. So he, I agree with yep. you. He'll uh, 
he'll be a good uh, NBA player, but certainly a, a lot of polish left on, on his game to make him a, a real effective offensive player. All right. Well, thank you, as always, guys, for Ryan Shumpert, Ethan Stone, and myself. That is all we've got. Uh, email us if you have any Tennessee questions you would like us to answer on the Friday shows at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com. Follow Ryan, myself, and Ethan on Twitter. Just search our names. You'll find it. Uh, keep up with Ball Quest. If you have not already, go subscribe. Go see the Tennessee Smokies. Sevierville, if you have not already. It's a fun experience. Go check out the lookouts if you want to go a little bit farther. It's a fun park as well. Um, but yeah, go go do all that. Um, leave a rating review on Apple Podcasts. If you are a fan of this very Tennessee-centric podcast, guys, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Sounds good. Yeah. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.